Welcome to the road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor uh, Vinny. Road to growth listeners. Uh, today, I have Steven Short. Uh, he's run multiple family business. He's an advocate now of kind of transitioning people from one generation to the next. I know we talked about this before, Stephen. I thought it was a 50% failure rate from the transition from one family business to the next generation. But I think you're saying that it's even a higher number than that, correct? Yeah, so uh, most family businesses don't make it to the second generation successfully. And I think the figure, depending on who you talk to, whether it's Kellogg or, or one of the top four, uh, generally it's less than 30% successfully wow. make it to the se- to the second generation and of that an even smaller percent still stay with the same family actually controlling yeah i mean that's uh, that's a tough time I mean, walk us i mean walk us through about i guess a little who you are and why you're such an advocate for uh helping people's kind of transition and um yeah yeah so i uh, i grew up in two family businesses so we my parents set up their first business when i was four so i've pretty much grown up just knowing uh the work-life balance thing is a myth and it's just one as the other work is work is private life and private life is work and that's just the way it goes um so i really haven't known anything else other than having this holistic view of living and, and living your purpose and living whatever it is that the family business is trying to do uh about it must be about eight nine years ago now i remember being in i've been in the family business full time after college did the whole like high school college uh traveled around went and worked in the us for a while came back and was in the family business probably about eight six seven years full time at this point and starting to take on more and more and, and really looking to to push the direction of the business and I remember coming home one day and just being absolutely deflated, just exhausted mentally and emotionally. I'd been arguing with my folks for weeks about the direction we needed to go, the courses we needed, to, the products and things we needed to be looking at. And I sat, I just slumped at the kitchen table and I said to my wife, I have two daughters uh, and my, my youngest was probably about a year old at this stage. And I said, I gotta leave the business. I gotta leave the family business because if I stay for much longer, my parents are never gonna meet their grandkids anymore because we're gonna fucking hate each other and we're not gonna be able to be in the same room together. Sorry, am I, I'm Irish. Am I allowed to swear on your show? No, yeah, please, please go ahead. Okay, fine, that's okay. Um, so the, when I kind of said that out loud, it's been, it'd been kind of rattling around my head for a while. When I said it out loud, every fiber of my body knew that's wrong, that's not what we want, that's not what I want. So I started down this path of actually starting to try and figure out, okay, other people have been through this. Other people have gone through succession planning. Other people have gone through family businesses. What worked, what didn't work. And then just uh, being able to figure out the formula to making sure that we have a a good succession plan. Uh, Fast forward 10, 11 years, whatever it is, um, we ended up selling one business. I, I bought both businesses from my folks. I bought them out of both businesses. We sold one because it made sense for us to be out of that industry at the time. Then COVID hit and it made sense for everybody to be out of that industry, but that's another conversation. Uh, And now we're focusing on the other business. Uh, We are still working together, uh, very much playing to each other's strengths and making sure that 
they're still involved, uh, but I'm really um, bringing us forward and bringing us to where we need to go. Uh, and I have two daughters, both of whom have said they, they'd like to get involved in the family business at some point, but I'm leaving them for a while until they can kind of develop their own sense of their own identity, uh, have it not be wrapped up in the business so they can really make the right decision. And then I can pivot the company to where they need to be. So I think if, if people aren't listening, you kind of find out where someone wants to be, where your company currently is, and kind of has the session plan of getting it to that point, correct? Yeah. So uh, an argument that I would make is that nobody, no child should join a family business. If your child has an interest in working with you, your business should join the child because what got us here is not going to get them there. So what, what we've been doing for the last 10 years in our business is not what's going to there are a small number of companies and a small number of businesses that have the same product essentially unchanged for a hundred years. And that's the, what people want, but we've all seen it in our own businesses. How different are our businesses now COVID aside than where we started 10 years ago, we've done different things. We've adopted new technologies. We've looked at new ways of getting uh, products out there. So in 10 years time, it's going to look immensely different again. So we need to be able to have a look at what the strengths of our kids are, what the interests of our kids are, and then be able to, over time, align our company with them as opposed to trying to force them into align with our company. And I think you might have answered my question. It was something that kind of popped in my head when you're telling me about, I mean, getting your, your kids involved, figuring out their strength and kind of working your company towards them is I've had people on here that partnerships, they start a company together as a partnership and they're trying to figure out, okay, well, what do you do? What do I do? And once they kind of overlap, sometimes there's a, a disconnect and some fighting. How mm -hmm. is that partnership now with you and your parents being that you're kind of guiding the ship, yet they're still involved? And how does that kind of play out? Yeah, I mean, I can tell you from experience that um, when we were starting to, that whole uh, kind of change of uh, power dynamic, that caused a lot of tension. And it was because they're still my parents at the end of the day, which means when I when I swear at home, they still give out to me. So I mean, I'm, I'm 43 years of age. They're still my parents. Um, so they're still guiding me, and they will always be my parents. Um, but part of it is, I I think because part of our business is also so much to do with psych personality, uh, psychology. We do a lot of career guidance. We do selection. We do leadership coaching. So we are very innately aware of pulling out people's strengths and being able to spotlight people's strengths. Uh, identify where they might have growth areas and then be able to say, okay, well, these are your strengths and this is what you want to do. So you need to get somebody to do this. Uh, so from any kind of succession planning, whether it's family or not, what do you bring to the table? What do you need somebody else to bring to the table? That's who you need. And I mean, it's, I'm, I'm sure you've had it with co-founders, people who are the same, they, they don't last long. You have to have people who are not opposites, but complementary with shared values. And once you have those conversations and you think, much more long-term than we're probably used to as, as business owners. We might have the one-year or the five-year plan. The 10-year plan, the BHAG, the 30-year plan is always very hazy. Like in general, we, we have to operate at much shorter levels. But when you start to think of your business in terms of the generations yet to come, and that was a, a core fundamental belief of Arthur Guinness when he started the Guinness uh, factory here in Ireland. He signed a 999-year lease, something was unheard of at the time. And he had a very uh, 
unique motto, which was think in terms of generations ne next to come or yet to come. It's not about me. It's not even about my kids. It's about their kids' kids. What can we do to think about this in a long-term way? Uh, so having that uh, mindset of looking further out, having a look at where your kid is now. So if you've got a 16, 17-year-old who has a different set of ideas and a different personality to you, different, so the six different leadership types, results leader, process leader, people leader, thought leader, data leader, and results leader. You, what got you where we are now might not get the company 20 years down the road. But if you can build it, let's say you're the outgoing, gregarious, kind of uh, stereotypical CEO founder of this organization, you're just attracting business to you all the time. But your kids are much quieter. They've kind of grown up in your shadow and they haven't had the chance to shine so much. They're much more process orientated. Then you need to start building processes and building things within your company for them to be able to come in and competently take over, not do what you've done. They have to do it their way. So you have to mold it to them. I mean, and, and correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, didn't you, going back into your childhood, you worked with your, your family, had to leave, and then, had, then came back, right? And that's kind of yeah. learning who you are as a person. So how, and, and you can maybe kind of talk about your own journey, is a 16-year-old, how do you know a 16-year-old is going to want to be part of the family business when they're 22, 21, I mean, whenever later in life. So there's another thing that I talk to entrepreneurs about, especially uh, founders of, of bigger companies where they actually have processes in place. Um, there's a, a very good friend of mine who is a presentation coach, and he has a, a mantra that an audience can't enjoy a talk more than the presenter enjoys giving it. So you've got to you've got to up your energy when you're on stage. The audience can't enjoy it more than you do. The same is true of entrepreneurship. If you come home and all you do is complaining about the morons that work for you and the people who never do anything right, and you just talk about the problems that exist in your company, all your kids are going to hear is working for yourself sucks. But if you actually are sharing with them and go, look, I, this was amazing. I really saw growth in this. or we, we tried this new project and it worked. And you actually share the ups and the downs, not just sharing the negative side of it it's going to be more attractive for the kids as they're growing up to go, Jesus, that sounds like fun. Or, oh, I could, I could really see myself maybe not doing that, but doing that part of it, that sounds really interesting to me. Uh, and, and having that element of it, because I think there's an, a, another maxim you can't be what you can't see. And if all you see is, the, is negativity of working for yourself, you might actually have the personality for it. You might have the bent for it. You might have the drive. But thinking, geez, I don't want to do what he does because his job sucks but he actually enjoys his job. So having that conversation and having that dynamic at home helps shape the kids at a younger age. I, I, I mean, I love that idea. And I guess I never heard it that way about the idea that when you're presenting to a group, right? The audience yeah. can't love it more than you love it. I, I, I sold cars for when I was, I mean, I think it was right out of high school. Horrible car salesman. But I remember one of the guys told me, right? I was only there for like maybe a month. But he was it, there was the um, the cars that they had the, the rear view mirrors that you can kind of churn a little bit, right? And he goes, mm -hmm. you have to be excited about it. it doesn't matter what it is. Go, you see right here, you just churn that right, get in tight spots, and it, it's your excitement kind of mirrors their excitement, and and they just start loving it. And it could be the stupidest thing, but yeah. it's like they people want to like feel on that same level. So I yeah, I love the way that you put that right there that you have to. Um, exude the energy because who's going to want to be part of a company where you're not excited about it? 
So this it, it, it's something I have a default thing. That, so when my when my daughter was born, I was doing one of these management courses in 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 Dublin, and over the course of a conversation with people, I made what has to this day been a life altering decision and a habit change for me. So in Ireland, when you ask somebody how are you doing, the default answer is I'm not too bad, because in Ireland we expect that we are going to be bad. We expect we don't deserve to be in any way happy. Oh. So that's why we say, I'm not too bad, which, which actually is as good as it gets for an Irish person when you ask them how they're doing. <laughs> so I actually decided all many, many years ago, like my eldest is nearly 14 now, so it must've been about 12 years ago, I decided, right, whenever anyone asks me, I'm going to default to, so how are you? I'm wonderful, I'm amazing, I'm great. And you can see the difference in people because they're expecting the Asher, ah, I'm grand, or I'm not too bad. But when they hear the amazing, they're like, oh, the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> and But it changes the dynamic. So if you're always talking in a negative way or always talking in a positive way, it shifts the perspectives of those around you, of you and what you're doing. I, I started saying, and may, maybe I should go more to the awesome. I go, I'm doing good, but it can always go better. Yeah, but... And it's a better default than I'm okay or I'm, yeah, exactly. I'm, fine, I'm, good. I'm not as so, bad. Yeah, negative. Yeah. So it's 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 growing it up because it is one of my teammates uh, in my in my old business. Um, the caretaker. She used to say she always knew if I was in a bad mood because my answer would be I'm okay or I'm good, not I'm awesome. Yeah. And she was like, oh, so it's been a bad day, right? Stephen's had a tough day. Um, but not because I was complaining about it, because there's no point in complaining about it. Obviously, you need to vent every now and again, but it's not going to get you anywhere. You've got to do something about it. So let, let's rewind. Let's rewind to growing up uh, in a family of business owners. Yeah. Right. So my How was that? my folks were both uh, teachers, uh, okay. high school teachers. Uh, they both basically got bored uh, and they went in the uh, late 60s, early 70s. And they went as two Irish people. My mother grew up on a farm and my father was the son of a police officer. And they went to Saudi Arabia in the 60s and the 70s, which was just like, you may as well have gone to Mars. Um, and so they had this sense of kind of adventure and doing something that was different. Uh, and when they came back, they set up the business. Uh, and they set up the first business in what, 81, 1981. Uh, and set up the second business in 1989. So we've been involved really since we came back from Saudi Arabia. Um, I always enjoyed the element of the meeting people, of the creativity that you can you can bring to bear as if you're an entrepreneur and you're you're looking at creative ideas and looking at creative ways. Um, the idea of following processes was always so it was a life death sentence for me because I just it, I'm horrible at it. Um, and one of the things that I always have in any project that I'm involved in, my number two or my number three, and the people that I'm working with, they always have to be process-driven people because I suck at it. And if it, mm -hmm. if I'm left to actually design the process and implement the process, everything will be on fire within about 45 minutes. Um, and not in a good way on fire, like, oh, we're, we're smoking hot. No, everything will be in a heap. So, uh, so uh, and understanding the strengths and the, what people bring to the table and what people bring to the organization is key for me in being able to, to get, okay, I know that project, um, this person's gonna be great for it, or I need somebody to look at this, this person's gonna be great for it. And within my family, so my mother is very process-driven and process-orientated. 
my father is much more gregarious, but he's also process driven. Uh, I'm probably much more of a big thinking, futuristic type person, uh, looking at marketing, looking at relationships, looking at all these things and, and building these international relationships. So we all bring different things to the table. And look, we're humans. We kind of, we lose our temper with each other every now and again, especially when I'm talking about big ideas and there's something that needs to get done by today. Um, but when you have an open and frank conversation with people and you're able to do it from a place of we're all trying to get to the same place, it really does help align everyone. So how does that conversation go? If, if you're looking at the day in a different light, you're looking more big picture, they're looking at more micro, right? Mm-hmm. How does that conversation go? Is it, do you have a system in place that you guys communicate best in or how does that work? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, the kitchen table can be the boardroom table, which is a good idea when things are good, but when things start to get tense, we found it's better to go for a meal. It's go go out somewhere else, a neutral place, a different restaurant, and actually have a, a, a conversation over lunch about it. To go, okay, look, I know we need to get this done now, but I I think we're focusing on this, and this is gonna bring us in a direction that is not where we want to be going. So we can both recognize we're going in this direction, but if we spend all this time focusing on this, we're gonna miss an opportunity, which is gonna make us go in this direction. Uh, and having that conversation, in not a in a neutral place so they're not coming to my office and i'm not coming to their office and we're not meeting at the kitchen table on a sunday evening with my kids and then we're shouting at each other um so having that uh, other space to go to is very useful how did you come to the realization that having a neutral space was the best way of, of getting something resolved um because again it, i think it comes down a little bit to to figuring out stuff in personality so when you when you're talking about um like an, an alpha uh, situation if i'm going to somebody else's office they're immediately in the power position so if i'm going to sit down in my parent in my father's office for example he's on his side of the table i'm in his domain i'm in his space this is his uh, area of authority uh, if i'm sitting at my mother's desk or if they're sitting at my desk it, the power shift changes so it was, i think it was more realizing that um, but the, the other thing that we found when we had bigger meetings, our offices are pretty small. Like we're, we're not in, in massive mansions. So we, we are in pretty small offices. So we needed to have like four or five people at a, not at a meeting. We had to go for lunch anyway. So we started to find that the lunches were more calm uh, and people got less, uh, what do you mean? You're questioning my idea. You're pushing back on my idea when we were in a, another space. So I think we just naturally started moving in that direction and then we realized okay if things are getting tense we need to go elsewhere i mean talking about being tense being the family squabbles things like that if let's say someone's listening right now and they're building that platform to transition to their child right how do you lay the groundwork of saying that when the actual transition happens that now i'm in charge i have the final say i mean that's what it sounds like in your current company that situation with your parents. Yeah, so there's, there's a couple of steps that I have, like I've loosely put them in, in P's. So um, the first P then is, is plan. Um, so what is it that the current generation wants to accomplish? So they, do they want to get out in the next five years? They want to get out in the next three years? Or do they see themselves being on, being here for the next 20 years? 
I would strongly advise against that. I would say five years is the maximum window that once you're saying, okay, I'm handing over, five years is the max. Then the next generation also has to have a plan, but their plan has to be longer. So their, theirs is very much the 10 year, where are we looking to get to? So we, we're gonna get to the five year, but what's the ultimate future vision? And then to have a discussion and, and a frank and open discussion about that, the current generation has to bear in mind that this phrase of what got you there is not going to get them there. What, right. Sorry, what got you here is not going to get them there. So it is going to be different thinking. They're not attacking what you've done up to this point. They're, what they're saying is what they need to do to, to scale, to grow. So there's a, there's a slight mind, mindset shift in that. Uh, so the plan then, that's the, the shorter term plan for when the current generation has to, is, is looking to get out of the business. And then the next generation, or what I call the next entrepreneur, next generation entrepreneur, brings the business forward. Then we've got the longest time, and uh, the next one is then is prepare. So you've got to spend as much time one-on-one. -on -one. You can send the kids off to do their MBAs. They can do all of these different management courses and business courses and all the rest of it, but one-on-one -on -one coaching with their the next generation not telling them what to do you're not their parent you are their advisor now you're sharing experiences what worked for you in the past what didn't work for you in the past and why it didn't work for you in the past because what worked in the past might work in the future it doesn't necessarily mean that because it didn't work in the past it's not going to work when they tweak something else or they have a new piece of software or something like that but they can learn from you so I spoke with uh, Rolf Frongwins, who's a friend of mine, who's the founder of uh, Trivago. I don't know if you're familiar with Trivago in the US. Um, yeah, so it's, yeah. so he's, uh, he's transitioned now. He was the CEO, and he's now just on the board. He's the chairman of the board. And one of the things that he said, he spent the most of his time over the years that he was transitioning out, spending as much one-on-one -on -one time with the new management team as possible, because they had to be able to, they had to know as much of the history as possible to be able to make the right decisions based on the values the and the experience. But it was ultimately their decision to make. They were going to be the ones running the company. Uh, and he had to be able to step out and not be overreaching, stepping back in, because he'll once he's out, he'll never have all of the information. So he wanted to make sure he spent as much time helping his next generation to to be ready as possible. And then the, the next one is is promote. So you've got to be the herald. You've got to actually hand off the baton to the, the next generation. You've got to be able to, to hand over control and let them go. You've got to publicly support them. Within the company, whenever people come to, let's say, consult with the current generation, when the new, next generation has taken over, they might be, oh, I don't really like that idea. I'll go talk to dad over here and see what he says. The current generation, the, the people stepping back, they have to unfalteringly support whatever is being done publicly. They can have as many conversations as they want privately, but publicly they have to be seen to be the herald to promote, not just give them the job, but actually promote them in terms of bigging them up to the rest of the company and the rest of the suppliers. They have to have the un unerring support of the current generation. What do you think, looking back at your transition of, of transitioning the business from yourself or your parents to yourself, what do you think was the biggest struggle for you guys? The plan, the first part of it, uh, we we were not 
planning far enough in advance to be able to see where we were going. We were still quarterly or yearly goals and yearly transit and yearly talks about what was happening. We weren't looking further to see, okay, in three years time, we need to have hit a couple of these milestones and reverse engineer that future to today. Uh, and for me to be able to, it was only really when I got in and started taking over more of the reins that I was looking further and further down the road. Um, I think that transition would have been easier because my parents would also have a clearer view of where I was, where I wanted to bring the company. And it wasn't to run it into the ground. I know you left the company and then came back to the company. Besides that, that small leaving, right? Yeah. Is there another time that you were about to say, I'm going to start my own thing. I want to leave this company. I don't want to be part of it. Yeah, it was, it was that time when I came home and I sat down at the kitchen table and I was like, my, my parents are never going to talk to my kids again. If I don't do something about it, I was, I was, I thought my only way out was to leave the company. When I left the company the first time, it was when I finished college, I went and I got experience in the US for a while. I went working in the US and came back. Um, that was the reason that I left. It wasn't any falling out with the family. There was always the intention when I went to the States to come back and, and work in the family business. When you when you said that, okay, well, I might have to leave this company for my kids and see my, my parents, what mm -hmm. was that, I guess, driving force to say, no, I'm going to stay with this? What was that? Um, to be honest, it was, it was the, it was, there was a visceral reaction in, in every cell of my body it was like the idea of not working and not being with my parents or having an animosity towards my parents and, and people in general was, it, it was so anti everything that I wanted to do in my life. Even though I hadn't clearly defined my why at that point, I hadn't really figured out what it was. I just knew from uh, at my core that was not the right decision for me because I really genuinely do enjoy working with my parents. Now that we have the rhythm and now that we have the the really clear understanding of what each person is bringing and what each person is doing and where we're going, we have a really, really good working relationship. We're able to be really open with each other in a way that only family can be. Uh, I mean, I, you hear stories and I've heard stories plenty of times where people who work in a family business the brother and the sister will absolutely scream at each other for 10 minutes because they dis disagree on something. And then they go into a board meeting and everyone's on edge thinking that the mood is going to be different, but the air is cleared and they're able to get on with it. So family have a way of being able to A, get under our skin more than anybody else in the world, but B, also when, when we're doing it, when we're clear about where we're going and what we're trying to accomplish, we can get over it pretty quickly too because we know that we have each other's best interests at heart. You have a bigger, a bigger why, a company why, a kind of family why, to stay with you. Yeah, yeah. If we're talking, let's say in in five years from now, and how old are your kids? Your daughters? Uh, thirteen and eleven. Thirteen, eleven. All right. So maybe let's say let's say oh, ten no. years from now. Five years. Five years. Okay, five years. <laughs> All right. Let's say five years from now. What's yeah. going to be um, the onboarding process for bringing on? uh your your kids have you thought about that yet oh yeah absolutely so i mean I, i'm a big believer in creating side projects for for next generation to run to to cut their teeth uh so in the summer in the language school business that we had i ran the summer schools for years and years and years and that was how i got to learn about managing people managing timetables dealing with agents dealing with inquiries and it was a short period of time so in the summertime we ran the school, it was really intense, 
But then look, if I really fucked up, everyone went home in three weeks anyway. So it, we can start again next year. Um, so that's how I learned and how I got into the built up the muscle really of, of managing and leading. And then I get more and more involved in the main business and then everything was brought in together and it was all one big organization. So I'm a big believer in trying out things that are of interest to your kids that they can have a go at. And if it's not successful, okay, you just leave it off and we try something else. If it is successful and it starts to take off, it's just folded back into the group and it becomes part of the, the main business. Or you might decide, uh, it's a great story of um, a sunglasses company in uh, South America, in South Africa. Um, I'm just trying to remember the name of them. I just had them recently. Really long-standing company uh, for uh, sunglasses, really great brand, but the brand was starting to get a little bit old. And the guy's son, they were talking about the son coming into the business. And he was like, yeah, I don't want to really do that. I want to do something young and cool. So they kept all of the resources. They kept the contacts, the manufacturing, all the everything they knew about making the sunglasses. And they created a brand new brand, which was aimed at his demographic and aimed at his what he wanted to be doing. And they spun it out, and that has become a bigger company. So they've taken all of the stuff that they learned, but they actually went, look, the next generation is going to lead this in a different direction. This is, and that's the part that has been growing exponentially. So I'm a huge believer in having these uh, parallel programs. And then if they work, brilliant, bring them in or move over to them completely. And if they don't, look, you, you've learned something. Hmm. You give them kind of the, the slack to, to, to prove themselves, to prove basically their yeah. worth, prove their out-of-the-box thinking, yeah. This is how we can get our kids and our next generation to be entrepreneurial, but we can still give them a head start. They have all the resources that they need from us. They might not necessarily want to do exactly what we do, but they can do something similar and use our resources and the, the business can continue and the, the jobs can continue and the people are employed. They might change over. There's different things that they can do, but uh, it doesn't mean it means that the company doesn't die when the founder dies. So I, I know you uh, you do some keynote speaking. You're I mean, part of a lot of different platforms. I mean, you're, you're an advocate to help out transitions, help out the youth, things like that. If people are yeah. listening right now and they want to kind of hear your journey, follow you, What's the best platform for them to kind of stand? Uh, well, if they go to uh, either stephenshort.com, so my name, stephenshort.com, or successfulsuccession.com, they'll get all of my details there. Okay. Perfect. Well, th thank you, Stephen, for, for being part of the, the Road yeah. to Growth podcast. Yeah. My pleasure. It. Thank you very much. It's been a great, great talking to you. And I do hope we talk. And in five years' time, maybe I'll be my daughter, one of my daughters will be sitting here and we'll be able to talk to you too. Oh, I, I can't I can't wait for the day. I can't wait for the day. That'd be fun. I'll see you in the background waving. <laughs> yeah. Should be on All some right. kind of different device. I won't understand it. Yeah, exactly. Thanks, Stephen. Uh, everyone. Thanks please, very much. <laughs> please subscribe, please share, and follow Stephen. Thank you for listening to The Road to Growth, Success of an Entrepreneur. Please like, subscribe, and stay connected. Visit www.TheEnriquezGroup.com. Yeah, I created a website. Hope to see you again next week. The Enriquez Group, signing off.